When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. I believe that we are in the twilight stage of a great central bank experiment. And I know what many of you guys are thinking, quantitative easing, right? That is the, the massive central banking experiment started for the most part back in 2008. But no, that's not what I'm referring to. I think we've not seen the end of quantitative easing from the Fed and, and we continue to see quantitative easing from, from banks like the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan. No, I'm talking about the opposite of that, quantitative tightening, the opposite of quantitative easing. And that's what the Fed has been doing for almost a year now. And I don't think they can do it for much longer. You know, there's this article right here that you guys can see on the screen uh, from, from Zero Hedge. It was submitted to Zero Hedge by Convoy Investments titled, Like Detoxing from an Addiction, Update on the Fed's QE unwinding. QE unwinding, same thing as quantitative tightening or QT. Basically, what this article is saying is, is the kind of the opposite of what I expected. Okay, I expected to read this article and for them to say that the Fed did all this QE to basically try and save the U.S. economy. Now they're doing the opposite of that. And uh, they expect nothing to happen, but something major will happen. They won't be able to follow through with it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This could be disastrous. But that's not what this article really says at all. Instead, they actually just kind of say, hey, this is where the Fed is at as far as their unwind, and this is where they're going. And, and we think that, you know, it's going to be tough, but that they're going to eventually normalize their balance sheet. My longtime viewers know that I am very skeptical that the Fed will actually be able to fully normalize their balance sheet. And by normalize their balance sheet, I mean, well, reduce their balance sheet, sell off all of these bonds, these mortgage-backed securities, or let them expire back to a, a kind of uh, an even level is you know, where they should be. I don't know what it should be, you know, based on, on what their, their, their previous increase was prior to the recession, but a trillion dollars or something, um, far, far lower than what it is right now. I'm very skeptical of that. Okay. What I see going on right now in the global economy is a, a global tightening. You have exceptions. You have um, countries like China, or mostly China, it comes to mind, as, as a country that is actively kind of easing some of their policies. Okay, But for the most part, even if other countries remain uh, very loose in terms of their, their monetary policy, right? even the U.S. remains very loose in its monetary policy over the long term, you have a lot of, of countries like the U.S., the European Central Bank, and, and the, you know, the whole Eurozone, England, the Bank of England, Canada, and the Bank of Canada. You, you have all these central banks and governments slowly tightening, moving in a tightening phase. And I don't think it's going to last much longer. And that's what kind of brings me to the main topic of this video today. What can we expect in this twilight phase of this whole experiment to you know, undo the effects of QE and, and raise interest rates again from, from 0%? Um, and, and I kind of want to go over exactly what we can expect. But real quick, I do want to show you just some kind of data to, to drive home my point of, of this this uh, coordinated tightening. Okay, uh, We have this from, from Pensions and Investments Online. Sorry about that. 
ECB leaves the rates unchanged, confirms plan to end asset purchases at end of year. By asset purchases, they mean uh, QE. Okay, so um, confirmed it will, as you can see here, the ECB confirmed it will cut bond buying in half next month and anticipates that new purchases will be halted by the end of the year. Now, I don't know for sure if the ECB is going to follow through on this, but they're moving in that direction. Okay, this is huge. I mean, this is huge for, for countries like, like Italy that have benefited from QE, I believe. Uh, because because of just how much debt, how many bonds the European Central Bank has has bought up, but they are slowly moving towards a tighter policy. Even though right now they're they're still buying these assets, they're moving towards that tighter and tighter policy. Uh, Bank of England. We'll keep the ad blocker on for CNBC. Um, see, Bank of England raises interest rates for the second time since the financial crisis. This is from August second. Okay rose from 0.5% to 0.75% for the Bank of England. For the second time since the financial crisis. That's it. I mean, that's that's extremely accommodative, but they are tightening. Here we have Canada here. This is kind of their central bank interest rate going back. As you can see, they lowered it a ton during the recession. They actually had a period of time where they could raise it for a while. I mean, Canada did not go through the same turmoil that some other Western or, or, or you know, the whole globe went through. Uh, Canada actually um, weathered this storm better than some countries. It's part of the reason why I think they're in an even bigger bubble right now. Countries like Canada, Australia, especially like their real estate bubble. Uh, but as you can see, they did lower them. But but since then, uh, you know, they lowered them again, you know, starting in what, 2015, late 2014. But they've been raising them again now. Okay. Back up to around like 1.5%. Okay. Then we have uh, the Fed. This right here is the Fed funds rate. As you can see, during the financial crisis, lowered it basically to 0%, right above 0%. I think it's between 0 and 0.25%. And kept it there all the way through the end of 2015. And then at the end of Janet Yellen's tenure as, uh, well, I guess this was a year before she was out, um, they raised it. Finally raised interest rates by a quarter percentage point. And then since then, they've been on somewhat a steady path as she has uh, left. She went an entire year, I think, to do it again. And then since Jerome Powell has been the Fed chair. Um, nope. Actually, I, I take that back. She had it all the way through 2017, didn't she? Yeah, she did. And then 2018, that's when Jerome Powell kind of stepped in. So she did get a couple more rate hikes in. Yeah, and then Jerome Powell started rate uh, raising rates again or continued on that current path. But again, we're nearing you know 2%, 1.91%. So basically between 0.175 and 2%. They, we've been tightening, okay? You can also see it in uh, this chart. Uh, you also kind of saw it earlier, but this is the quantitative tightening, quantitative easing chart. Basically, this is all the assets that the Fed has in their balance sheet. So this is what I mean you know, beforehand. They had assets that slowly increased at, at a pace with, you know, GDP or population growth or whatever their, their, I guess, equation was. And then they bought all these assets for QE, QE2, and then QE3. Well, now we're in quantitative tightening, okay? In fact, maybe I can shrink this down to really drive home this point that, that yeah, it is, they're tightening. Basically, they're removing the very liquidity that helped you know the stock market rise and helped uh, stave off a complete economic collapse over the short term. They're doing the very opposite of that right now, and it's not hard to see where I think this is heading. So you know, I think that's where we're at right now. We're seeing this global tightening, and and it's funny because stock markets right now, 
and and even the news cycles, the media, they're paying so much attention to this trade war with China and, and you know all their countries as well. But but the the big trade war has been between the U.S. and, and China more so than the U.S. and the EU or Canada or Mexico or whatever. U.S. and China. And and you see stocks react to these these news of of tariffs, right? U.S. is Donald Trump announces an additional two hundred billion dollars of tariffs on on goods or or even more than that, you know, ten percent, twenty five percent. How much is he going to put on? Is China going to retaliate? And of course they have. Um, I think both in currency wise as well as uh, with, with their own tariffs, and I think they're going to continue to retaliate. You know, there, there's all this talk, and, and it's it's funny because. The stocks are paying so much attention to it, and yet they they still oftentimes will shrug it off, right? We're on the brink of a major trade war with, with a major trading partner, and stocks are like, eh, you know, let's find another high. Let's go up another 100 points. It's not a big deal. Let's shrug it off, even though it is a big deal. But it's not nearly as big of a deal right now, right in the here and now, as this right here, as this right here, quantitative tightening and raising interest rates. Like, yes... The trade war is a big deal, and over the next year, if it if we continue on this path, and yeah, it's going to stifle some economic growth. But right now, there's a huge drain on liquidity in the system. Right now, there is a huge reason that stocks should be dropping. Hedge fund managers that have a large, long position in in, in, in equities should be worried about this right now more than the trade war. Trade war is great for headlines. Quantitative tightening, on the other hand, is going to be a big part of what ultimately brings down uh, the stock market. Brings down, uh, you know, the 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 whole idea, the whole notion that that this economic growth can continue forever. Okay, this is a big deal, and, and, and as I've said in the past, we're seeing it affect other markets as well. In fact, that kind of brings me to the final part of this video, <clears throat> talking about what is it that we can expect. I think as we enter into this twilight phase between now and when central banks reverse their policy. And of course, for central banks to reverse their policy, to just slow this, this whole tightening and, and, and <clears throat> move kind of more into a neutral direction, we're going to need to see some sort of a catalyst. Okay. And so uh, we'll start off with emerging markets because I think emerging markets have been a big casualty of quantitative tightening. <clears throat> as <clears throat> Sorry, as well as a strong dollar. Okay, so as you can see, since 2018 began, we saw a small run up in uh, emerging markets. Uh, and, and so basically, what you have right here is <clears throat> the Chinese yuan and emerging markets. Okay, so as they go up, uh, they're getting stronger, and as they go down, they're getting weaker. Okay, but but for the most part, in 2018, the narrative has been weaker and weaker yuan and, and, and a lot of weakness in emerging markets. And I think we're going to see this continue. Okay, I think that's going to be one of the big characteristics of between now and when uh, we, we kind of can mark the end of this whole quantitative tightening, this global tightening experiment. It's, I think that's going to be a big characteristic. It uh, is going to be emerging market. Uh, you can call it contagion, crisis, whatever. Uh, further weakening of their currency, of their of their economy, stocks, bonds, you name it, and a flight to safe haven assets. So it's going to be things like the U.S. dollar, U.S. bond market, you know, the euro, 
uh, euro bonds and various other countries that that are selling bonds there as well as even just the u.s stock market i could see as a safe haven for this you know uh, but but I, I do think we can expect further weakness as this quantitative tightening moves forward and as we continue to raise interest rates. Of course, the Fed is getting ready to raise interest rates pretty soon here in September. And we also, I think, can expect a weaker yuan. You know, this one isn't as sure of a thing. Um, you know, right now it's it's relatively close to breaking a key resistance level of 7 to 1. I think if China doesn't want that to happen, they have plenty of tools to avoid that. They have large currency reserves that they can use. Um, and I think they're in a much more stable footing than some of these other emerging markets are. If China wants to stabilize their currency, I think they can, at least over the short term, right? Short term uh, to medium term, okay? So three months, six months, a year, they can do that. Five years, 10 years, okay, maybe not. But emerging markets, on the other hand, Turkey, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, India, Indonesia, Russia, you know, a lot of those countries have maybe a reduced ability to stabilize it. Maybe maybe Russia could, you know, maybe India or Indonesia have some of the tools, but they're a little bit more at the mercy mercy of of the markets, right? They can raise interest rates, they can they can put in capital controls or whatever to to stop a a runaway depreciation of their currency, but I think that they're still going to move in that direction. Um, I'm not so sold on on the yuan moving in that direction as significantly as emerging markets. Um, and in turn with this, I think we can also see a a neutral, to, I would say neutral to slightly bullish on the dollar between now and then um, with the potential for, for some major moves up in the dollar because people would see it as a as a safe haven, right? A relative safe, safe haven over the short term. So let's say, uh, you know, Brazil's economy and, and their currency markets, all of it kind of takes a, a major dive more than what they've taken so far. You could see a lot of money from Brazil, investments or, or otherwise, move into to dollars and U.S. assets, but, but dollars most importantly. And so you'd see, you know, maybe a significant strength in the dollar. Same thing goes for, for money coming from all these other emerging markets as well as, as, as China. So that that's kind of what I'd expect. Weak emerging markets, uh, weak to neutral on, on the... Uh, Chinese yuan and and neutral to to bullish on on the dollar until kind of the end of this this whole tightening phase. Uh, U.S. Treasury bonds, you know, I think <clears throat> continue to need to move up. I think we're going to see two big trends here: uh, a, a continued uh, flattening of the yield curve and eventual inversion. But when you just look at rates, for instance, like the ten year here, which has a big benchmark. We're, I think we we can continue to see them rise until the stock market kind of rolls over. So so may have some safe haven uh, bid for for bonds from these emerging markets that I was just discussing. But you know on the other hand you also have the the, the Fed uh, reducing their holdings of of uh, treasuries and 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 who knows what you know if China wants to stabilize their currency they could sell off some bonds. So I think you know. Relatively bearish, I would be on on bonds until U.S. bonds until this kind of reverses. So I'm not saying like interest rates are going to four percent or anything like that, but certainly I I think uh, above three percent is very realistic possibility um, for the time being. Three point one, three point two, you know, in that period of time, uh, they they could break out higher, but I don't think that that breakout would last very long because 
of the damage it would do to our economy because of the extra strain on our government in terms of funding requirements and, and paying the interest rate on current debt, etc. But you know, I'd say relatively bearish I am on on sorry on Treasuries until we we start to kind of get some hints from the Fed that hey, this quantitative tightening is uh, coming to a close, right? And then you know, as we move towards a neutral and eventual eventual easing, quantitative easing, lowered interest rates, etc then we can expect, I think, interest rates to come back down. Um, but even that's not a sure thing. You know, if inflation is high enough, uh, the, the Fed would, I think, um, to, to keep them down long-term, would need to do a ton of, of quantitative easing. I'm talking about almost complete control of the market, kind of like the Bank of Japan, right? Um, and, and drive out a lot of other people out of the market. And I'm not sure if they're quite prepared to do that, although I think it's an absolutely a real possibility, right? 2%, 1%, close to 0% interest rate on the 10 years, just because nobody really trades them. But, you know, the, the effects of that could be really disastrous because I think inflation will be much, much higher. And so, you know, just because the Fed starts QE again doesn't mean that, that interest rates are going to go super duper low because I think there will also be expectations from other buyers and traders not just the Fed, that well, inflation is going to be continue to, to rise. I mean, it's already kind of rising. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think that's just the same thing there. Oh, I just have to tenure here on here twice. All right. And then the next, uh, the, the big one, the uh, the stock market, U.S. stock market. This is the S&P 500, the SPX. So as you can see, uh, beginning of 2018, a, a huge kind of melt up, or not melt up, a, a blow off top almost here in, in January 2018. Then we had the big uh, volatility crisis, a huge drop in the stock market of, of full-blown correction that, you know, it took itself all the way through through like May to kind of work itself out there. And, and just very recently has it, you know, actually found new highs above the highs that it hit in January of this year. Um, you know, for the stock market, I think we can continue to see you know, sideways up you know, we, we very well could see another kind of blow off top here before the final, uh, it would be kind of the final run up before before you start to kind of see a period maybe like like this, you know, a, a correction and then, um, you know, uh, people buying the dip and it goes back up again or whatever. But you don't see this long term trend back up again, right? Maybe around this period of time, it would just roll back over, find kind of new lows, uh, you know, three month lows or whatever, one month lows. And then it would just continue to fall, right? And and it wouldn't stop falling for a very long way, and that would be kind of a big crash that would that would uh be be part of the catalyst for for Fed tightening. You know, I, I don't you know this is I, I'm not going to get into deep numbers on this because I'm not a huge technical guy. I don't know what you know is the S and P five hundred going to make it to three thousand? Is it going to make it to thirty two hundred? I don't know. And even the timing on all this, I'm not positive on all the timing on this. You know, I've talked for a while now about how. Hey, the Fed, I think uh, they're going to call it quits on this whole quantitative tightening. The end of this year, somewhere by the end of this year, but, you know, maybe I'll be off on that timing. But you can even see in this chart that that despite this quantitative tightening, uh, the, the S&P 500, October 2017 was around 2,500, and today it's over 2,900. Uh, that's a huge divergence. You know, for the longest time, the, the stock market kind of just followed the, the Fed's balance sheet on the way up. And then the Fed's balance sheet stopped increasing and the stock market kept rising. Well, now it's decreasing. The stock market is still rising. I think there's a huge divergence. And, and I think it's massively overvalued. Maybe not the most overvalued asset in the world. Maybe it's not as overvalued as, say, 
uh, the dot-com bubble back in, in 2001, but I think it is very overvalued. And it's due for a crash, and I, just like I think our whole economy is due for a major economic downturn. And it's not just quantitative tightening. There's there's a lot of other reasons on this as well. But I think rising interest rates, quantitative tightening is going to be one of the big uh, catalysts that brings about the catalyst for Fed Fed uh, easing, right? Quantitative easing. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section. Certainly, if you enjoy my work, liking this video, commenting, subscribing, those things help me out a ton. Um, I also have my Patreon down below in the description if you want to support me on a monthly basis. Uh, little as a dollar a month, you get some great perks for all that. But as always, I'm just happy to have you guys here in the first place. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, and God bless.